wanted to pop in before the episode starts to give you a little update on um, what's happening over here. (laughs) Um, So I have decided to swap episodes to drop every Monday now so you can start your week off right with witchy and weird shenanigans and yours truly. So get ready to see those in your feed every Monday as opposed to every Friday And just a little tidbit for this episode, there is a section where um, our guest Vicky's um, connection and or my connection, who knows, it's the internet, um, cut out for a bit. So just bear with us. It's um, not very long, so I didn't want to like cut it out. Um, Also, it was really hard to find it. I couldn't remember when I was editing it because this is a one person um, gig over here. So please bear with us for that. But other than that, the episode is really awesome, super fun. And yeah, I look forward to seeing you every Monday or have you listened to me every Monday. (laughs) Bye. Hello, witchy and weird. Today I'm joined by Vicky, whose pronouns are they, she, um, aka the Aphrodisian witch. And Vicky is a priestess of Aphrodite, a queer disabled witch, a radically authentic and no bullshit astrologer and magical mentor. They have been carving out their own weird and wonderful magic path for the last decade and more recently have been helping and supporting other badass witches disrupt systems and norms and work towards more authentic, intuitively led magical practices. Their work includes unlearning internalized LBS patterns within our witchcraft, decoding the cosmos with their clients and students, and generally reminding folks there are literally no rules when it comes to witchcraft. Hello, Vicky. <laughs> Hi, so good to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, I feel like I, mm, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure it's part of like your thing, but I'm like enamored by all the things that you do. <laughs> and I'm, like, <laughs> I'm sure you designed it that way. But <laughs> really, I think I'm like such I'm, I feel like I'm so um, like a really awkward person. And when people are like, Oh, my God, I love what you do. Like, I love what you do social media. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> like, cause I just overthink, um, everything, but, um, thank you. That's really sweet of you to say. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you're one of the few witches that is creating content saying like, do whatever you want. You don't have to follow these rules. Like it can literally look anyway. And I, I love that. Cause I think there's a lot of people that are like, kind of like gatekeepy or, like very traditional and like how it's supposed to look and especially with like a lot of people who don't know like their culture it's kind of hard to be like do it the traditional way and you're like I don't know what that would look like so yeah Mm -hmm. thank you for doing that (laughs) oh I mean it's it's really something that um I guess I sort of stumbled into um it was very much just how I sort of viewed my practice and it was only through people speaking to me and being like can I do this and I was just like you can you can do what you want (laughs) just like like you can do what you want you can do what you want and it's 
um, you're right, there's so much gatekeeping within the, the spiritual community. And like, similarly, it's sort of, it's difficult to say, you know, do what you want, because obviously there are some things that are perfectly valid to be gatekept, because like, <laughs> obviously as a white person, um, you know, my lineage has done a lot of stealing, <laughs> a lot of colonization. And I think it's, it's, it's really important to let people who validly want to gatekeep knowledge and information because it's, because it's been stolen, because <laughs> oh, yeah. it's been stolen and, and appropriated. Um, but then kind of on the flip side, I think, especially now that uh, a lot more people are aware of, of like appropriation and close practices and stuff. Um, there's also a lot of people then that are kind of worried to do anything like beginner witches. Cause they're like, I don't want to upset anyone. I don't want to, you know, step, is it okay for me to like use clear quartz? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you can use quartz, you know? Um, but I do think that that's probably a better way to be than just being like screw you <laughs> I'm gonna use whatever the fuck I want and if you tell me that I'm not allowed to I'm just gonna like freak out um but yeah it is it's a big issue in our community so it's really trying to to empower people to make it their own while also being like yes <laughs> make it your own but be you know read up on it and don't, don't be ignorant and, and listen, <laughs> listen to people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel like, yeah, I I've noticed recently, like I always forget that to say that part because I'm so used to now, like, yeah, do whatever you want. And like, in my head, I'm like, obviously I'm not going to like culturally appropriate somebody <laughs> else's culture, but I always forget to, I've been like in the past week, I've been reminding myself, like, I need to consistently like say that, like when I'm talking to other people or like working with other people, because I just automatically don't think to do that, but it still needs to be like said for a lot of stuff, like over and over and over and over until it's gone, hopefully. <laughs> mm, and yeah. And like, you know, um it's only really been something that I have you know probably in the last year or so started adding into when I'm saying do what you want um only because I think then somebody (laughs) I kind of got caught out I think somebody was like hang on a minute you're telling me I can't use white sage you just said I could do what I wanted with my practice and nobody can tell me what to do and I was like ah okay (laughs) probably time to add like that additional caveat in of like not literally anything um but yeah so but again it's um this is only stuff that I've realized I have to add in once I've started kind of telling this to other people um but it's I definitely say stuff like that adding little bits here and there um is probably been one of the the biggest sort of things that I've really been trying to embody as a teacher making sure that I'm not generalizing because that was definitely something I I have done previously in um in my sort of practice in my business um but yeah yeah so before we get ahead of yourselves I wanted to ask you kind of like your origin story like how did you get to this like how do you get to be the aphrodisian witch I know it's (laughs) like in your bio you've been doing this for like 10 years so I'd love to know kind of like your journey and like your background story 
So I um, I wish my origin story was was more exciting than this. <laughs> I started witchcraft from Tumblr. <laughs> Literally 14-year-old Vicky on Tumblr. And I can't remember, it was just like a random other teenager's blog who was, um, I think, raised Wiccan. And I kind of read a little bit about their practices. And I was like, hmm, like this kind of really, this sort of puts a label on stuff that I've sort of been feeling. I was raised atheist. There's there's no religion in my family whatsoever. Um, so the sort of concept of faith and spirituality was not really anything that I had explored previously. And to be honest, when I started, like, and I can say this quite honestly now, I was just like, it's just really cool. Like, I'm so quirky doing this stuff. And then when I actually started actually reading and actually studying, I was like, whoa, I actually, like, I enjoy this. Then I started off my path as Wiccan, um, as I think a lot of, a lot of witches do. (laughs) It's sort of like, like the stepping stone. Um, I started off as Wiccan and I tried to go a bit more of a, of a formalized route. So like I joined like a pagan moot, my local one, um, and really tried to immerse myself within sort of neo-paganism. Um, I did my year and a day, studied for a year and a day, um, and I didn't join a coven or anything like that. I was still a solitary witch. And then I sort of, I was really into Wicca and really into all the traditional elements of Wicca. And then as I started kind of moving from being a teenager into an adult um, and my priorities were sort of changing, there was just something (laughs) about it that just, just wasn't sitting right with me. There was just something and I couldn't put my finger on it for a really long time. Um, And because of that sort of sour taste I had in my mouth about Wicca, I sort of fell out a lot of my practices. Like I was only doing very small things. Um, I felt quite, um, quite separated from my practice. It felt like something I was really into when I was a teenager and maybe I felt like it was childish to sort of carry it on because I was like oh it probably was a phase and then I went away to university dropped out a couple of months in came back um and it really did become something that was that was like a safe place for me while I was navigating really kind of crap mental health and then I started, I joined a load of witchy Facebook groups <laughs> because I was like, I need some sort of community with this because um, a lot of the more sort of neo-pagan stuff from where I am in South Wales, it's a lot of sort of like middle-aged white people, like I am an earth goddess. And at that point, I think I was just looking for something that's a little bit more modern, a bit more unique than just kind of like the old school neo-pagan stuff. Um And it was that group or one of the groups that really, really kind of opened my eyes. And I was like, yeah, this is why I don't like Wicca. Like somebody has, has vocalized it. Somebody's put it into words. Um, And slowly I started kind of saying, okay, well, maybe I can like cut out the problematic bits. And for anyone who's tried to do this, (laughs) you realize you're not really left with all that much. (laughs) So it's very much like... after a while, I realized that I wasn't really attached to any of any of the Wiccan elements anymore. 
Um, so started really leaning into, once I shared the Wicker, the Wiccan label, um, I think that's when stuff really like kind of kicked up a gear because suddenly I felt like I had so much more freedom. I didn't really have to worry whether it was considered to be Wiccan, whether it was something that I, that was actually part of it. What's important, there was very traditional elements that I just wasn't really meh about. Um, and then, yeah, I would say after about, probably about a year or two of just kind of looking at witchcraft rather than Wicca, um, I started working with Aphrodite. Um, which kind of I just kind of stumbled into it um, I my first interaction with Aphrodite was not what I would recommend anyone does <laughs> um, in the sense of I had never worked with it before um, I did a love spell with a partner at the time and was like you need to help us I want to like be bound to this person and during the ritual I was like this I could just tell this was not going to actually happen. Mm. And since then, I built a little altar to Aphrodite for the ritual and never took it down. Mm. And then it was sort of like, I didn't actually do a spell working with her for months after that. And <laughs> she was like, mm -mm. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that again. You actually have to get to know me first. <laughs> and then I was like, I had a lot of reservations about Aphrodite um, because of the way that she's portrayed. Yeah. Um, and then kind of, there was a couple of times after that that I fell out of my practice and it was really here that kind of brought me, brought me back into it. And then sort of mixed in there somewhere, I started learning astrology um, and that sort of developed a little bit se separate to my practice. Um, in times when my practice has been like I've fallen out of it my astrology practice has picked up so that's also been like a bit of a buffer as well but yeah now we are um over a decade which I'm like whoa <laughs> that's wild and it's been I mean my practice looks so different now than it did like 10 years ago even two years ago it looks wildly different um but yeah it's been a, it's been a weird <laughs> a weird road getting here and I never would have thought this is where I actually would end up but I'm also really excited to see you know like five years down the line I'm like what is it gonna look like like I can't even I can't even imagine it but yeah it's been a weird a weird journey but here we are <laughs> so I'm curious like how you started to become like aware that some of the practices you were doing were like not like kosher <laughs> um, for lack of a better term. Cause I feel like you do talk a lot about like myths and like what you can do, what you can't do and stuff. And I feel like some people just, they aren't even sure like what, like you mm. were saying, you know, like some people aren't even sure like what is harmful. So like, how did you, mm. like, I know for me, like it took me to start like learning from people and they were like, yo, this is, inappropriate and then I was like oh oh shoot you're right like this makes yeah. all the sense in the world yeah so I think probably for probably like most people my first real thing was white sage and smudging and I think it was literally like I might have recommended to someone like oh yeah you know smudge before you do like a ritual or like whatever 
And someone was like, hey, you know, like you really shouldn't be smudging. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like everyone smudges, everyone uses white sage. And um, someone very kindly educated me <laughs> and was like, hey, um, and I remember they gave me a couple of articles, like go and read. And I was like, oh, fuck, like reading this stuff. And similarly, there's also kind of, it's, it blows my mind why, especially people in the UK, mm. why even they are extra like digging their heels in. So I'm like, there is no attachment like mm. here to indigenous, you know, indigenous people yeah. in the US. There's, white sage does not grow here <laughs> at all. But yeah, it is still, you know, the most common kind of smoke one that you can find. There, there are, more metaphysical shops around here that they only sell white sage they don't even sell anything else you know so that was really the thing that that opened my eyes and then I was like I guess as well uh, kind of building my awareness of like feminism and like lefty stuff I was sort of like piecing all these individual bits together um and it did take me a while to connect you know I knew okay racism I was aware of my white privilege mm. you know aware of my massive privilege but it took me a while to connect that to my practice mm. um and I think that's very much because of the big individualization problem within the spirituality community um the the push of like oh you're a solitary witch mm. and yes you do practice magic by yourself however none of us exist within a vacuum you know? Um, and I think that attitude that had been ingrained into me through Wicca made it take longer than, than it should have, you know, for me to actually connect. Actually, that, that applies to my spirituality because I think I had seen, you know, oppression. Okay, it's obvious, it's there. And then I'd realized, actually, my actions can still be harmful in my spirituality, even if nobody else in the room with me. <laughs> You know, I think I was very much like, you know, it's harmful if someone else is there, but I'm not doing anything to harm. My intention isn't to harm. And therefore, how can I harm? And I think definitely wrapping my head around like your intention doesn't always equal the impact. And like you can have the best intentions and still fuck up and still cause a load of harm. And I think sort of from that, I started learning more about closed practices. Um, I think actually the first time I'd heard the word closed practice was when someone was like, smudging's a closed practice. And I was like, what, what, what the fuck is that? Um, and yeah, and I think then from then, I really sat and thought about, okay, well, where are these actual practices coming from? Because it sounds so silly now. I'm like, of course, why didn't you think about where this stuff was coming from? But I was just pulling off like a crappy compendium spell book <laughs> off the shelf with like, like rituals and spells from like every single culture all over the world, not saying where it comes from, not saying how they found these rituals, whether they even are allowed to be sharing these, like all of this stuff. Um, so it's, it, it's silly now looking back, I'm like, that's so silly, but it was very much like oh my god of course like this has got to come from somewhere and of course it doesn't come from the UK 
<laughs> like, of course it doesn't. So it, it was really, and I think even now, you know, while a lot more people are aware of like post practice and particularly white sage, it does seem to be that the white sage thing is a catalyst for a lot of people because it's like the most obvious thing that they're presented with yeah. in their practice. Um, but yeah, so it was, that was a bit of an eye-opening moment for me. Mm. Um, but of course, since then, there has been so many things that I've been like called in for and being like, hey, it's not okay for you to say that. And I think that has um, probably been one of like the biggest things that I've learned through my spirituality is understanding the immense amount of privilege mm. and how, you know, we can cause harm, even if it's unintentional um so yeah I love that yeah I wanted to ask because I feel like everybody comes upon it differently and I feel like a lot of people like they have kind of like a sense or like a weird feeling but they never like follow that until Mm -hmm. after and then it's easier to see once you see like one example then you're like oh I had that weird feeling before so like I'm gonna listen to that next time (laughs) yeah Um, And I think as well, like a lot of people, they're almost resistant to dig into it because they know that they might have to stop a practice that they really love. And like, yeah, it fucking sucks. Like, you're like, I don't want to stop this thing. But like, that is literally life. (laughs) Like, if we were just like, no, you can do whatever you want, you know. Um, But yeah, I think that's really why people have so much resistance is because they're like, but this thing is really helpful for me. But a lot of times, you know, people say, oh, well, I have to use white sage. And I'm like, have you ever tried using another plant? And they're like, no. (laughs) And I'm like, so it's not even like you've gone through all these plants and you're like, I, you know, this is, you've just tried this one thing and you've decided that you want it because you've been told that you're not allowed it, (laughs) you know? So, and it, it is wild how many people will really try and find like loopholes for like you can't do this because it's a close practice and they'll be like but what if I do it like this (laughs) but what about this and it's just um but yeah I think that's why there's so much resistance it does come from a totally like self-serving sort of point of view you know yeah definitely I know I've been I've been reflecting on like this lesson I think I brought up in the last podcast episode of like what is spirituality and I saw like somebody had said a video that's like spirituality if it's not anchored in something like outside of yourself like a cause or a community or something then it's not spirituality it's just like self-help and I think like you're kind of like talking about that kind of same concept Mm. where it's like it's very individualistic and it's helping me so I'm going to keep doing it like it works for me you know it's not like well what about my community at large like you know ancestors about other communities how this affects them and stuff like that and Mm. like that is truly like being connected with everything and and that it might not feel like you know like that magical connection that we have where we're like grounded or something like that Mm. but it's still about like understanding like I'm still a piece of this and I can still influence with my actions like I love that you said that like just because nobody else is here doesn't mean I'm not causing harm like that's like so good (laughs) (laughs) and yeah I think it's um you know and it is really wild to me you know when I tell people it's not just you in your spirituality even if you don't practice with anyone else 
that people get quite um they get kind of pissed off because they're like no I'm not I'm not hurting anyone and I'm sort of like why don't you see this as a beautiful thing like you being inherently connected to other witches other people who have the same beliefs as you other humans like we are all connected we are literally all humans we're all just fucking living in this weird fucking time (laughs) and place you know why is this something that's like almost like disgusting to you and it's so interesting to me that if you literally look at basically any other spirituality outside of sort of western neo-paganism slash witchcraft there is an inherent sense of spiritual community Mm -hmm. and I just think it's so interesting I mean of course you know the conditions around us would would reflect within our spirituality but it's wild because if you speak to anyone within like western spirituality who maybe hasn't thought about this it would just be like well why do we need community unless I need to work with other people for a more effective ritual you know and it's it's like there's always, I guess it's just capitalism kind of coming in, coming into our spirituality, but there's always, like you said, a thing of like, how does this serve me? What do I get out of this? And it's like, you know, you don't have to benefit from everything, (laughs) you know, but it's, it's, um, it's so interesting to me how, and I'm saying people, me included in my journey, we struggle to connect those dots from like the oppressive systems that we see as outside our spirituality and actually what's happening inside we see it and obviously spirituality is a very personal thing um but it's also not a personal thing as well (laughs) you know like it's a community thing it's something that connects us to our other humans to our lineage you know to the to the land that we're on um but yeah I think that is probably you know the last year or so I've realized like whoa our community has a massive problem with and it's also really weird to me because if you ask people they'll be like no I love being in community with people (laughs) but then when you actually dig into it it's almost like threatening because if you're in community then you're being held accountable Mm. by other people you know and it's like suddenly it's not just you that's impacted by this. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love like what you said, like the conditions of our surrounding are like reflected in our spirituality. Like that mm-hmm. is a huge lesson. And I, I agree, like I'm pretty much on like the same page as you, like probably for the last like year and a half, two years, I've been like on that, like realizing, I mean, I'm pretty new to like my spiritual journey. So I'm, I'm, I feel lucky to like have fallen into this understanding like earlier on. So it's like, Mm. okay, hopefully I didn't cause as much harm. Right. But like, yeah, it's definitely something I'm always learning too of like, wow. Okay. And, and it's true. I really feel like it is just how we grew up, what we were conditioned with and we, Uh, there's like something I forgot who said it but it's like a common saying where it's like how do we know if it's like the water we're swimming in how do we know if it's the air that we're breathing and I think that's Mm -hmm. part of the piece that like you know people like you and like this podcast were like trying to show like it is it is this like hey think about it you know like so Mm -hmm. I love that you're you're doing that and I think you're also so I'd love to talk about um some of the myths that you're like busting out here <laughs> in the witchcraft. <laughs> there are so many. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, like what, 
maybe which one is like coming up like your most important one right now or the one that you find is like just the most common one that people are like asking you about or something like that so the one that more recently has been cropping up a lot which this this stuff does tend to go in cycles and I do find that usually when I get you know a lot of myths coming through from dms or comments or whatever um it does tend to teach me something about my own sort of beliefs so I do believe that this stuff always happens in cycles with me the thing at the minute um that has really been coming up with me and and I see a lot again in in beginner witches is (laughs) the um fear of doing quote unquote black magic Mm. and I don't want to do anything evil and really when you dig into that of like there is white magic or light magic and dark magic or white and black magic it is 100% rooted in racism, 100%, oh my goodness. Um, if you really dig into it, the stuff which is considered black magic and therefore inherently evil and bad and like, don't do it, that's the stuff you don't want to touch, comes from practices of black, indigenous and people of color or people of the global majority. Um, it is never Western, Wiccan, <laughs> pagan practice. Hmm, why do you think that is? Um, and I mean, admittedly, whenever I point that out to people, they go, huh, yeah, you're right, you know? Um, so that has been probably the one that's been cropping up most for me. You know, magic in and of itself is inherently neutral. Um, it's like money. It's like food. <laughs> it's just yeah. a resource. And it's really what you do with it um, that... I wouldn't even say like changes its behavior. It just sort of almost tints it with a slightly different lens. Um, And again, kind of in a similar vein of thought, a lot of people come to witchcraft um, really bashing any sort of baneful magic or what they consider to be black magic or evil or whatever. Um, And I understand that is probably because a lot of people come to this path for healing. And they're like, I have done this to have healing, to have peace. So to, for, for, for some people, to then expend your energy on something that they believe is quote unquote negative or hateful or mean <laughs> is, you know, not what we came to this path to do. And obviously everyone can choose whatever they want to, if you don't ever want to do baneful magic, that is totally fine. You don't have to do baneful magic. Um, however... Um, again, it is practices that are not white and not Western, where that magic is considered neutral. So when you're kind of bashing baneful magic, especially stuff which is like protecting and defending yourself, that bashing tends to come from a place of racism and xenophobia. Um, so, you know, if anyone here is like, I really wish I could hack. <laughs> And I've been told that I'm a really bad person. No, you can go and hack someone, especially I'm very much like, I like to kind of view myself as almost like a coiled snake. <laughs> and it's like, if you if you step on me, like <laughs> it is well within my right to fucking bite you. And similarly, I mean, I, I did like a reel a, a couple of weeks ago about hexing my abuser. Mm. Um, I lost a lot of followers for that, um, which I was like, bye. <laughs> like 
I don't know. And someone commented something, which I was like, yeah, you're, you're so right. They said, I almost feel like it's your duty mm. to hex this person. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you're right. Because again, I very much see that as witches, part of being a witch and taking on the, the witch label is not just rooted in spell work and magic and you know energy attunement or whatever. It's also rooted in activism and in protecting your community and protecting the non-magical members of your community as well. I very much, like I tell my students and myself frequently, I see witches or energy workers or psychics as just having like an additional skill. Mm. And if we have that skill, I, I'm like, it's selfish to keep it to yourself. Now, obviously, if you don't want to use it for other people, that's totally fine. However, I'm very much the thing of I have this skill and who am I to keep that resource from my community? Um, and that includes hexing abusers. That includes healing. And that includes, you know, providing comfort and nurturing. It also includes fucking someone up if they fucked me up or they fucked a member of my community up because it's like, don't fuck with me, <laughs> you know? So there's definitely... Um, a lot of fear around baneful magic and that definitely comes from the rule of three which is a wiccan practice of whatever you send out to the world will come back to you times three and obviously if you ascribe to that practice it's gonna you're gonna be freaked out because you're gonna be like okay i don't want to be hexed three times however i have a massive issue with the rule of three because Again, our actions can't be categorized as good or bad. Like, so how on earth is the universe meant to throw us back some bad stuff? Like, are you actually saying that you hexing an abuser is considered a bad thing to the universe? Like, no. And, you know, it's surprising to me how many people who aren't Wiccan mm. still ascribe to the rule of three. Yeah. And it's usually because they don't even realize that it's not a universal witchcraft belief. True. Um, you know, it's like people don't even realize that it is rooted within Wicca, which, you know, was created in 1960. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if if you don't want to work with the rule of three, you don't have to. I personally think witchcraft is way more fun <laughs> without, without the rule of three. Um, and it's, you know, as soon as I sort of dropped that from my practice, um, I think that's when stuff started getting really interesting because suddenly you realize that, the world is literally all shades of gray. Like there is no, <laughs> there is no like light or dark. It is, it is all gray, you know? Yeah, honestly, like I, I have such like anger towards Wicca. Like the guy who created it was like super anti-Semitic and like, he just like stole shit from like Jewish people. So like, I have like that anger. Um, and like, I don't like I agree with you like how does somebody who created a like a religion that's like like you said like 1900s like 1960 like how do people feel like this is like the oldest rule in the world and it's set in stone like he must have been like the best fucking marketer in the world like I don't <laughs> understand dude like like you're saying like the rule it's like all you have to do is google a little and you're like the rule of three only existed for like less than 100 years and you're like what like why am I giving it so much fucking importance like what the fuck yeah I I never felt that I never I I I feel like a lot of media 
helps with these types of narratives that you're talking about, like with black and white magic and like rule of three and stuff. Cause like, I remember watching like Charmed when I grew up and a lot of their stuff was like Wiccan based. Mm. And like, if you see like movies, it's like always like the black magic is kind of like some POC and it's like, they're not speaking in English and you come and it's like, you're not, it's like a small town and it's like scary, like all this kind of stuff. And it's like, we see these kind of representations popularly and we're just like, okay, that must be how it is. And I don't know, like I, I saw the rule of three, but I never, I mean, I guess I have like my Judaism. So I never like, I wasn't super religious or anything growing up either, but I just was like, hmm, that's cool for like other people to have, like, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, like that's their thing. But yeah, I never got that sense. Like I did, I had somebody once and I just felt like if your intention is coming from the right place, like that's kind of what matters. Like, cause I know like tons of people like Hex, you know, from an ego-based place, um, mm-hmm. not saying it wouldn't work, right? Because if you believe in it enough, it could work. But I kind of just felt like I was scared too when I did it for the first time. I was like, oh, am I going to get something bad back to me? And I was like, no, I feel like I'm protected if I'm doing something like from a from a right place, like mm-hmm. doing it to like an abuser. This person was also an abuser and stuff. So like, it, it just felt like, why would something bad come of this? Like Mm. if this person already did something bad to me, like they kind of did it to themselves already by doing that. Literally, (laughs) it's like maybe just don't be a dickhead. (laughs) Like, you know, it's um yeah, and I think it's so interesting the narratives that we have about hexing and quote unquote black magic. And you're so right, like the media 100 percent reinforces that. I remember when I first started telling people that I was Wiccan when I was like 15 and so many people were like, oh no, like you're going to hex me. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm a good witch. Like I'm a nice one. Like, you know, we don't do that. Like Wiccan, we're like peaceful, <laughs> you know? And it was such a rush to distance like myself from that. But again, within Wicca and within neo-paganism, that's also reinforced. It's like, don't do that. Like, and not even from a thing of don't do that because that's not for you. <laughs> like in a thing of don't do that because that's evil and that's not what Wicca is about, um, which is wild because of the dodgy origins. And it's like, oh my God, there is a lot more evil that goes on in Wicca <laughs> <laughs> than a lot of other practices, you know? Um, but yeah, I think it's it's so interesting to me because when I was first starting out, you didn't meet many people who would say they were witches, but not Wiccan. Like most people were Wiccan. Now that's very much not the case. Like it is a lot more common for people to be witches and not Wiccan. People usually don't know the difference between witchcraft and Wicca. Mm. I should probably say the difference in case people are like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the difference is. So witchcraft is just the, the practice of magic um, in whatever way. There are so many different parts of witchcraft. Wicca is a formalized neo-pagan religion that was formed in the 1960s by a guy called Gerald Gardner. Um, and then there have been other kind of Wiccan branches that have that have branched off from that. Um, so yeah, that's the difference. But most people will call themselves witches, won't call themselves Wiccan, yeah. but then will also kind of ascribe to a lot of the Wiccan stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, 
it's so interesting that whilst I wouldn't say, at least not in the, the circles that I'm in, it's like the dominant belief, the Wiccan sort of aftertaste <laughs> is still, it's still hanging around yeah. in the community. Um, and I think that might also be because a lot of books that you find are like Wicca slash witchcraft. So people don't actually know that the separation between the two. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And also like colonialism, right? Like mm. our ancient practices were lost. There's no like way to see them. We're so disconnected from like even white people, like our own ancient practices and things like that so then when we have this like relatively new there's a whole book there's all this information about it we're gonna like follow that as opposed to like doing the harder work of like like delving deep like trying to connect and like finding like more obscure texts or like working with elders and communities if there are any left you know like that type of thing so it's all it's all connected I totally see how it's all connected but yeah it's like filling a hole isn't it that I think a lot of us are like oh we don't have any connection to this and similarly it's also marketed as like this old thing yeah you know like marketing team yeah literally like Gerald Gardner (laughs) best (laughs) PR team ever (laughs) but yeah no it, it is um even when I was Wiccan it was like yeah it was like formalized in the 1960s like this has been something that's been going on for a while and even Gardner himself made this whole mythology and said I learned it from this secret coven of witches um in Nottingham and they don't allow any outsiders in but they allowed me in (laughs) because I'm really special and they showed me they showed me that their rituals that had been passed down only to women completely in secret now that's not to say this coven didn't exist. However, the occult world in the UK was really small at that point. Mm-hmm. And there are no records, even within occult circles, of this secret coven of witches who apparently flew so under the radar that nobody knew anything about them. Now, Gardner also said that he witnessed these witches doing like a massive um, ritual on the coast of England to repel Hitler. (laughs) And he was like, I have learned it from these witches. And it was that ritual that apparently sparked his, he was gonna formalize it. Now, for me, I'm like, okay, let's believe Gardner and say the story is real. What an asshole to then go and publicize all of those rituals (laughs) to the public. So even in the best case scenario, if this is a true story, he's still a dickhead. Like if it's not, he just made up a load of shit and stole from a load of people, which is probably the the more likely scenario. Um, But the whole thing is wild. And it's so weird that in Wicca, like nobody (laughs) wants to actually talk about the actual history. And it's sort of a self-perpetuating like, mythology and I'm not saying that like you can't have mythology as like a foundation for a practice a lot of practices are literally based on like a myth of creation or a myth of evolution or whatever but first of all it didn't happen all that long ago for us to really be (laughs) mythologizing this because we literally have like historical records um but yeah I think it's so wild to me that there's like this completely fake history essentially that this was, Wicca was the predominant, like, practice in the UK 
like for years. And while there are elements of like traditional Celtic practices, there's actually not that much. Yeah, like, it's just a bunch of different cultures like put together, which I guess like in a sense, like if he's like, oh, this is so old, it's like, yeah, because you're like, you're stealing from all these old <laughs> practices, but it's not like one singular practice. It's just like, yeah. from like everything. Yeah, he was like, that looks fun. <laughs> like, yeah. We'll add that in, <laughs> add a little pinch of that. Why not? Yeah. And obviously navigate credit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be way too hard. And I think, you know, he was also a huge fan of Crowley. He was like a massive fan of Crowley. And Crowley did exactly the same thing. So, yeah. you know, this is not a new, no. a new thing at all. Um, but it's so interesting. Like you said, you don't have to do that much research. This is not um, secret yeah. history. <laughs> this is actually, if you just like literally do a bit of Googling, you will find it. Um, but yeah, it is, it's, it's always been quite strange to me how sat in a lot of neo-pagans are about this false history of the, the origin of, of Wicca. Um, very strange. Yeah, honestly, like, oh, it's like one of the things that I just like immediately get mad about. And I'm just like, do you not even realize like what, like, what is this practice? This is just Judaism. Like, I'm just like, I'm always getting pissed, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about Aphrodite for like the last part. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited. So how did you become like the Aphrodisian witch? Like, did you, I know you, we talked about like, kind of like how you started working with Aphrodite, mm-hmm. but like, what is, um, Ooh, okay. This is a good question. Like, what is Aphrodite to you? Or like, who does Aphrodite appear as, as opposed to what other (laughs) medias have portrayed as Aphrodite? So Aphrodite, as, as most people know, is the Greek goddess of love, lust, art, beauty, all that good shit like the pretty stuff and yes while she is obviously the deity of all that almost like Taurus Libra sort of energy she's also the goddess of like sovereignty and autonomy and the marginalized um and being authentic to yourself so for me Aphrodite is literally in everything that I do which is really not where I thought my (laughs) my journey would end up Um, considering I didn't really work with deities until relatively recently like in my journey like Aphrodite was the first deity I worked with and I started working with her about three or four years ago so most of my practice has been without any sort of deity work Um, but for me Aphrodite and probably the reason I keep coming back to Aphrodite um, just really teaches me to Not only, it sounds really cliche, love myself, (laughs) but love every part of me, even the parts that are considered, um, you know, shameful or that I should hide from society or that aren't quote unquote nice, um, like more my shadow, but also working with Aphrodite and her energy really allows me to root myself in connection to other humans because I went through a lot of my life kind of distancing myself from other people um, and being quite hard. And I think for me, Aphrodite really is that sweet spot between 
independence and like standing in your own authority and standing in like your own uniqueness and weirdness and also being connected in love and respect for another person or other people as well um and I think you know the reason why I've always continually sort of worked with Aphrodite is because every time I think I've sort of understood her it's like another layer gets peeled back and I'm like whoa another thing I've understood about myself so Aphrodite and working with her has allowed me to come to terms and acceptance with my own queerness initially my my queer sexuality and more recently my non-binary identity um and even as well like I'm poly um I'm polyamorous and she's also allowed me to kind of understand that a little bit more um and similarly kind of understanding my own sexuality and sensuality but not in relation to anyone else Mm -hmm. like my own eroticism my own pleasure and I guess yeah pleasure is also a huge part of my work with Aphrodite I think before I started working with her I didn't really have much capacity for pleasure I'd been told it wasn't really for me I've been told that if something was pleasurable then I probably shouldn't have too much of it because it's like bad for me Mm -hmm. um and almost like in a a little bit of like self-flagellation you know of being like I'm awful I'm not allowed good stuff and you know it sounds so silly but since I've worked with Aphrodite my actual like taste buds have changed Mm. like I feel like I can taste more and like (laughs) my partner always finds it so funny I'll just take a bite of something to be like "Mm." (laughs) just like entire household here (laughs) (laughs) just holding it in my mouth and like even stuff which is like you know like wasabi or like horseradish something that's really like oh and just sitting with like the pleasure in that and being like oh my god tapping into my senses and I guess for me Aphrodite is like that connection to myself and to my senses and almost like the bridge between where my body begins and like my body ends and the world begins you know like that sort of sweet spot but I yeah I don't really know where I'd be without Aphrodite like I she's been such a huge part of my life and like my journey and I really do see that kind of all the all the good shit (laughs) that I've got has really been um down to here which is something that I would never really (laughs) have thought that I would have ever sort of viewed you know that that's kind of how my life has gone but it's been such an interesting journey sort of learning about her also in relation to learning about myself and similarly kind of learning about Aphrodite and the way that she's sort of been disseminated like throughout history um, really kind of stinks of misogyny (laughs) and the patriarchy and through sort of understanding that I've also come to understand those own narratives with be like within my body Mm -hmm. and within my communities and not even in the ways that you would expect um so yeah I hope that's probably quite a long rambly answer (laughs) but it's it's um it's difficult for me to sort of really surmise down how how she sort of impacts me and how I 
feel about her um but yeah (laughs) yeah I feel like I I don't know what it is but like with I don't work with deities very often like I'm I'm more like working with aliens and stuff like that but for some reason I feel like I probably do work with Aphrodite but I just like don't acknowledge it as much but I feel like Mm. she's been one of the deities that I'm like Mm, like constantly thinking like yeah I could still like work with them or things like that like um every time I do a lot of like self-care like type of like self-expression I I feel like I'm like reminded of her Mm. um and like I've watched like some of your videos and things like signs like Aphrodite wants to work with you and like I have all of those and I'm just like well (laughs) damn like I gotta take this seriously at some point but yeah I'm curious like what you um what you have you ever like seen her what do you visualize her as because I have like a visual and it's like totally not the norm so so yeah I I have nearly every time I visualize Aphrodite or I see her in more of like a physical shape it changes all the time um and that's very much you know when I when I teach people about Aphrodite I'm like she is going to appear to you however you need, like, like you need her to appear to you. So obviously a lot of people are kind of aware of the traditional sort of representation of Aphrodite as usually quite a slim um, person with like breasts and a vagina, usually smiling very coyly and covered with some sensuous fabric or sometimes just like stark naked, usually very long hair, a very demure look on her face. And obviously, if you want to see Aphrodite as that, that's totally fine. Um, however, I I would say probably it's interesting. Every time we see Aphrodite, she's always like massive, <laughs> like, like a giant. So that is a repeated theme all the way throughout whenever I see her, um, is she's always very large, sometimes larger than, than others, but she's always like way taller than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to see her as, it's interesting, when I visualize her, her shape is never really fixed. It sort of is quite fluid. She'll change between two, three sort of appearances. Um, I would say as of late, I've been working a lot with Aphrodite as sort of trans and like gender fluidity. So recently I have very much seen her as being like a trans woman um or someone who is very like androgynous or perhaps even more sort of like mask you know um I would say that whenever I see her as kind of a different way that I usually would it allows me to sort of reflect on my own sort of standards of beauty and how they sort of come through to me um when I first started working with her I very much saw her as like the normative representations Mm -hmm. but sometimes when I do work with her and I see her or visualize her sometimes it'll actually like kind of take me aback because it's not really what I was expecting but usually I do see her all the time with funny colored hair thinking about it (laughs) a lot of times it's funny colored hair um and I would say that recently I've seen her a lot as not what people would like like typically attractive usually like quite unusual looking Um, but regardless, there's always like this really enchanting, alluring sort of sensuality with her. But what I would say is that I don't really see her as 
a person all that much. Um, it's only really when I do stuff like guided meditations or like journeying that then I will like see her as a person. But, um, you know, usually it's a sensation. And recently, I know like we've spoken briefly about um, my Claire Salience. Yeah. Um, is it Claire Salience? That, is that the, the sniffing one? Claire Class Aliens. Aliens. Yeah, Claire Aliens. Um, and usually like fresh flowers. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> she's here. Um, and I usually will like feel Aphrodite as like a tingle at, at the back of my head. Like that's when I know that she's sort of around. Um, but yeah, more often than not, she's just an, kind of an amorphous sort of <laughs> blob <laughs> of like light. Um, but yeah, usually she's quite unusual looking, like um, probably someone that you'd be like, whoa, that person has a really unusual but like memorable face. Mm. Um, but yeah, what, what do you see her like? I'm curious. Yeah, so I, and just to preface, like I studied art history in college. So I have like all of those kind of like traditional Renaissance, like the, you know, the clamshell with like the hair, <laughs> holding, like the breasts, sort of thing. the tiny little titties. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, um, I played video games, like I play like God of War and like she's in there, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's really funny though, like my aunt, when I grew up, she had this huge, like six foot painting of like the Aphrodite, like the Venus one coming out mm. of the clamshell, but it was a black woman. And I always like fucking love that. Um, so like, I kind of had that like pre-primed of like, it could be different, like depictions mm. type of thing. And then, um, yeah, I feel like when I when I wanted to visualize her, when I was like thinking about her, I would like, my brain would be like, so that one, like the, like very traditional and something would just be like, no, like, it's not, not that. Like, so I definitely feel like, yeah, I still see like long hair, colored hair often, like the pink hair or like a mm -hmm. reddish hair or things like that. Yeah. Like reddish coppery is something very common. Like that I see a lot with, with Aphrodite. Yeah, but and and then the tallness too. For a lot of time, like I feel like the presence was just like next to me, but like really tall, like more than like a human would be tall. Mm. Um, and for me though, it's very weird. Like for me, it's almost as if she's like not human, like a weird like alien form or something. Like mm. not even looking like remotely recognizable as a human like the skin is like purplish or you know mm. like it's like do, does she live in the water is what is this like a beast or something like it's very like and I and I agree like maybe that's probably why like I'm not seeing it as a human as a woman because I'm mm. non-binary like I work a lot with aliens like I'm open to like other forms but then like she still will have like hair <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, what is this? Like, I don't know. And I feel like a lot of the times I don't see her face. Like I see, it's like that, like mm. the Powerpuff Girls, like the lady, like you just like don't see the face, but you see like every other part. And I don't know if that's just like my own bias of like, I can't, there's no way I could see that, you know, type of thing. <laughs> um, but I feel like it, for me, I've kind of realized in my psychic practice, like it's really not as important to like see them but mm. to like just the feeling right like of knowing that yeah, they're there, like how you work with them and their energy and I think for me the energy like maybe the water like 
lives in the water type of thing like that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a cancer like I love the water so me it's it's more of like the energy that I want like it feels grounded mm-hmm. for me um and like expansive like like pleasure exploratory type of thing um so yeah I just have this like visual it's like a lot of rib cage like it's totally like an alien figure so I'm like I'm so curious how you see her I love that and yeah I mean I I very much get like the no face like I I get that frequently um and I'm so glad that you said that um you know you saw a painting of her as like a black woman I frequently see her as a person of color um probably more often than that than that I also all the time see her as like fat, like all the time, like this amazing fat, usually super tall (laughs) woman with the most amazing hair. And I can't remember off the top of my head what the epithet is called, but she does have an epithet, which is literally like of the beautiful hair. So Mm -hmm. hair is like always really important to her in a lot of her mythology. They describe how like amazing her hair is Um, and like it, it kind of, tumbles down his shoulders and it's absolutely stunning and like these beautiful curls um so yeah it's it's so interesting because there always seems to be certain themes that kind of run throughout when people work with her or even when they just like think about her or her energy um but yeah I would like to see more a lot of the statues are that very traditional like Greek representation of her and I'm like we need to start seeing some like different statues of Aphrodite like I love my statues that I've got but like they're all super skinny and like really kind of normative yeah. and I'm like I want something different she's asking for something different yeah um maybe I just need to start 3d printing or something I just like design my own <laughs> I know like for my for my altar I was I don't really like the statue stuff either like I was just thinking of like painting something and just like hanging it above you know so it's like a personal thing not even like what she looks like I was gonna put like roses and like find a way to like put the petals like in the painting and like you know something like that that's like it's like representative of the energy of her um yeah I I I totally feel that too there's like the five like mass produce like statue thingy (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's so wild. Yeah, but I definitely like I feel like my hair color I I like rejected pink like even before I was non-binary. Like as I was very like and it's funny cuz I thought like hmm, this is some like thing that came out of left field, but then I look back at my childhood I'm like I literally at my my grandpa got me married and I was like I don't know, like six or seven. And I literally was like, can I wear pants and a shirt? I've seen that guys wear pants and a shirt. Like, I don't want to wear a dress. Like, I just think about like, <laughs> even little me was like, I don't like vibe with any of this like kind of stuff. And so I I didn't like pink, but then I, for some reason I was like, just do pink, just do pink. And every time I think about it, I always like, my mind is like Aphrodite. I'm like, oh, it's probably like that type of thing where it's like, it's a connection type of thing. It's like teaching me of like softening and picking things that, it means for me but I don't need to relate to what it means like in society and stuff like that so yeah and I and like it's so interesting I I had a very similar sort of experience of when I first started working with her I was like ew I hate pink like it's so feminine and like girly and like I don't like that and I'm like hard I'm not like a sensitive girl (laughs) you know like I'm like a cool girl you know and um really when I I mean it's so funny I was thinking yesterday wow all the things that I've done since I've started working with Aphrodite um like I got a bath 
and like I was so like anti-bath before and I'm like no and it's so interesting so much of my work happens in the bath with her this room um obviously people listening you can't see it but this room has been completely redone to be like pink and red for Aphrodite my bedroom is now red um I'm having like roses and like my wedding bouquet and it's so interesting that before I had rejected all of these symbols essentially of Aphrodite and it was only really through working with her that initially I was like oh I hate that roses are like Aphrodite's flower because roses are just so overdone and like they're so cliche and like now they're literally she's like no you're liking them (laughs) no you will enjoy roses and it's so interesting how I've come to like you said it's like this can mean something to me without it meaning something in like the general societal sort of interpretation of this thing and that's very much Aphrodite you know the societal interpretation of her is that she's quite shallow and quite vapid and Mm. it's just like beauty and art and there's not much substance to her and it's actually like you know a lot of people are surprised when I work with Aphrodite because they see her as like quite like a tame Mm. goddess and I'm like oh my god no like she is I think quite high maintenance (laughs) a lot of people who seem to work with her um end up suddenly it's like I mean for me uh, it just seems that she sort of just takes over your life and is like hello I'm here now everything's about me um but yeah so it's 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 so interesting to see these sort of themes and what becomes, you know, more prominent. Pink and enjoying pink um, seems to be a really common theme when people are like starting to work with her or her energy. Um, And yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that she can really kind of teach us about is accepting those parts of us that we've rejected because of like the general sort of interpretation of them and kind of carving out our own means of sensuality and pleasure um and you know like sexuality and lust and creativity and and all that sort of good stuff yeah 100 percent. like I've definitely felt that more recently this year like I'm starting to feel like the softness and like being okay Mm -hmm. with like being who I was because like so so much of my life was like yeah I'm the tough like I'm intimidating I'm not a girly girl like that type of thing Mm so you know it's like wearing black all the time look like being intimidating in my energy and like scary and like stuff like that and it's like no I can't be like gir- you know like all this stuff or like when I was girly for a time like in college like it was like vintage so it's like I'm 50s like girly yeah so it's quickie like a- yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly like it was just like a whole thing and like yeah so I'm definitely feeling like and even like this past month, I've been like, oh, I'm starting to realize like, oh, I can have like wear whatever colors I want, have that softness, mm. like, and how I approach and feel about myself is just like whatever is in here and not like, oh, well, people are going to think that like, I'm this, if I, that, if I do that or this, if I do that. Yeah. Mm. I think she definitely helps me a lot with that. Um, like, yeah, I've the more often than not. And I know you talked about bees. Like I literally, I know I live in California too, where it's like hot, but like, I see like dead bees like like every day like every I I actually yeah bees are huge for her yeah yeah I I collect them all if I have like the hands to and I put them in my altar so I just have like I was gonna say put them on your altar yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah I totally get that like there's yeah it's so much stuff so okay 
last question um, about Aphrodite. Um, I guess like what advice would you give to people who like want to work with her or are interested in like working with her? So my, unfortunately, there's not actually that much information out there about working with her in a witchcraft sense. Um, there's obviously quite a bit of mythology about her. So I would say the first things first is to read the mythology. Um, but when you're reading that mythology, take it with a pinch of salt, because we have to remember who was writing these stories. A lot of these myths were passed orally. And then the people who wrote them are literally just like white academic men. Mm. Um, from the West and a lot of the nuance is lost. A lot of the history is lost because she is seen as a goddess. There's not as much um, kind of weight put on her parts of the story. So take it with a pinch of salt. And I would say one of the best things to do is to consider those myths and how you can reinterpret them from your own lens. So like, if you're queer, how can you like queer this story? Um, you know, how can you add in these, these things that tie you to this, to this goddess? And then I would say the second thing, um, is to make an altar. She fucking loves altars <laughs> and it doesn't have to be a big one. It can also be a digital one if you're kind of struggling for physical space. Um, and that might literally just be like a pl- private Instagram or a Pinterest board where you just put, you know, pictures or poetry and stuff that, that you enjoy. Um, I would say one of the best things for me and what I would recommend anyone who's starting to work with her is to try and create some sort of structure. This doesn't have to be a big thing. It might be that you give an offering every Friday, um, which is her sacred day, or even like once a month, like the fourth of the month is also her sacred day of the month. Friday the fourth, Aphrodite fast, like go, (laughs) go like 100%. Um, but yeah, I would say that is something that I didn't really have when I first started working with her. And it was something that I had to learn quite early on because she is a goddess who does ask for dedication. And I don't mean in the thing of you have to be a devotee to her in the thing of what can you do, even if that's just lighting a candle once a week or a stick of incense once a week and try and stick to that. Obviously, she gets we're humans <laughs> and you know you're not going to get like smited by the gods <laughs> if you forget to light a stick of incense on a Friday um but really commitment and showing up and being like you know I'm ready to to do the work and I would say finally um again it's gonna be a bit cheesy but kind of consider the role that love has in your life and I don't just mean romantic love I mean platonic love love for yourself love for your community love for the land that you're on and try and ask yourself okay how can I add like one percent more love to my day and that might literally just be like you know your partner might be saying something that annoys you and instead of you know kind of nipping back you just go okay (laughs) like that's something that I learn a lot um it might be you know just just reaching over to someone's hand obviously if you know them not like a random person and you know just grabbing them (laughs) let me hold your hand if someone has a go you're like um it's for my aphrodite wish what do you want about um but yeah just ask yourself how you can add just like one percent more love and this might just be tasting the food one extra time and being like what does it does it just need a little bit more salt or you know anything like that it might just be even sitting and sending out a little bit of love to someone who needs it in the world you know 
it doesn't have to be a big thing. Um, and I was going to say that was going to be the last one, but I've got one more. <laughs> um, I would definitely say try in some way to surround yourself with the ocean. If you can't get to the ocean, mm. put a video on of the ocean, put your headphones in and literally just sit. The ocean was Aphrodite's birthplace. You will learn so much from literally just sitting, you know, thinking about tides and changes and how cyclical things are. Um, and that is something that I enjoy doing just to sort of recalibrate. If you can get to the ocean, even better. But obviously I know a lot of people don't live on an island like me, yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that. I would also add for adding love to your life, like hugging a tree. I literally, my partner, he makes fun of me, but like in a cute, like he thinks it's cute, <laughs> but I literally will like go up to like when I'm walking my dog and my plants and I'll literally tell the plant and I'll be like, good morning, good morning plant. Like I'm literally yes. just like in the fucking neighborhood, like touching plants, like hello <laughs> and like yelling at them. <laughs> so like you can do like, like stuff like that. And like, yeah. um, there's like some roses in our neighborhood and I always like smell it. And then if my partner is on the walk, we'll like kiss in front of the rose. Like it's like a secret with the rose. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh my God. I love that. I'm going to start doing that. That's yeah. so sweet. Yeah, like, we I both love will, like, that. Smell it first. And then we'll like kiss in front. So it's like, you have the smell in your nose when you're like kissing. So, so oh choice, especially so the red ones. That. Cause the red roses have like a stronger scent than like other roses. Mm. Yeah. But oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, so now he's always like, good morning, when we're outside. It's, even if it's like nighttime, I'll just be like, good morning, plants. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love that. Those are definitely some like good solid. I love the digital altar. Like I've had some baby witches reach out to me and they're like, what do I do if my parents think it's like devil worship and stuff like that? I'm like, that's a really good, like I've, I've heard like, um, like alter in your mind or like in the astral mm. or something but I love the digital altar because it gives people like something physically like to do with their yeah hands. and like you can do it like you know if you're really into art and you're like good at drawing you could literally like draw your altar like digitally mm. um I know some people who do like collages so they'll do like their dream altar essentially um, which can also be good if you have like a specific thing in mind, but you can't afford yeah. <laughs> to get the, this stuff. Like print um, it. <laughs> it. Yeah, literally you could print it out, um, you know, Canva. I have done many like a digital altar and like digital artwork and stuff on Canva as like devotional stuff. Um, but yeah, and I've even done stuff like in a folder on my computer where I'll just like save images and stuff I'll call the folder like hail Aphrodite or like I love you Aphrodite or something like that um and then in there you can put you can put like traditional stuff like her Homeric hymn or you know some retellings of myths you might just want to put like some even like recipes you know you could be like oh that hot chocolate recipe really reminds me of Aphrodite so I'm gonna like put it in there for her um but yeah digital altars are so much fun and you can also just like digital altar playlists as well so being like what songs would kind of be playing in my ideal altar room like what would the soundtrack be and you can also do that like and dedicate playlists to deities that's what I do for Aphrodite yeah. so if I have any sort of romancy sort of songs I just stick them in there and then um that playing the music out in the room can be like an offering in and of itself yeah um but yeah big fan of digital witchcraft so much fun yeah Ugh, I love all these ideas so many ideas are like sparking I don't know <laughs> have you seen what we do in the shadows the movie yes 
like I was just thinking like the dance when the guy's like trying to like seduce them <laughs> just doing, like, really like that I don't know why that's what came into my head like playing the music and you're like this is for you and you're just like, awkward. <laughs> it's literally me like in my altar room like without like let me give you this interpretive dance and she's like yeah. can you not <laughs> she's like it's okay like some incense will be fine I don't need that <laughs> yeah I get it I get it it's okay you can stop now yeah <laughs> awesome um where can we find you what do you have going on um like if you have any like programs or things like that going on this is that time to share so you can find me on Instagram at um, at the dot aphrodisian dot which I'll spell aphrodisian because a lot of people don't spell it right. It's a p h r o d i s i a n. I had to write that out in, in the air while I was doing that. Um, I think I'm also on Pinterest, but you can find that through the link in my bio. I can't remember what the handle is off the top of my head. Um, and currently in the works, I'm actually working on a two-part Aphrodite class. Oh. So hopefully, maybe not by the time this episode comes out, but soon. So if you are listening to this, keep an eye because I will be doing it soon. And then in a couple of weeks, I am opening up for um, my signature program, Rose Witch Coven, which is going to be a 16-week program on essentially um finding your inner witch and developing a more pleasurable authentic um radical witchcraft practice um so we're just finishing up cohort one um and yeah cohort two is going to be opening I think at like the end of August beginning of September um so yeah and I always have like classes and I do readings as well um natal chart readings so there's lots of stuff going on with me uh pure Gemini <laughs> Sag energy <laughs> of like seven thousand things at once um but yeah oh and my website is www.theaphrodisianwitch.com 